Father, we thank you that 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 line is true. That Christ is ours forevermore and that no matter which challenges we face in this life, no matter what struggles we endure, that that never stops being true because his word to us is that he will never leave us nor forsake us. That you tell us, Father, that uh, we can't be snatched out of your hand. And so, yes, it is worthy of rejoicing. I pray now to speak through my brother Daniel as he comes up here to bring your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Well, welcome once again. In case you're with us here for the first time, my name's Eric. I'm the pastor here at Epiphany. And uh, tonight I am privileged to introduce to you our guest speaker, uh, Daniel Emery Price. So, you know, in life there is, there are few times where you, you meet somebody and almost instantly you just, you, you, draw, you, you click so quickly that you just know you're going to be good friends forever. You just know you're going to be close. And that was what it was like when Dan and I first met. Uh, we just instantly clicked. We instantly got along. I think we, we were actually at a ministry event together. We were called to be together for, and then we kind of met for the first time there. And I mean, for like three solid days, we just hung out the whole time and just had a blast. And we've been basically hanging out ever since, doing ministry together and trying to do, uh, trying to share the gospel with people as much as we can. Uh, for those of you who don't know Dan, let me introduce him to you and just a little bit about him. He started an organization called Christ Hold Fast, with which uh, I partner and serve. Uh, he hosts two podcasts every week called 40 Minutes in the Old Testament and 30 Minutes in the New Testament. 30 Minutes is with, with uh, me, and that is a blast and a lot of fun. Uh, Daniel is extremely busy, conference speaker, uh, church planter, author, I mean, you, you name it, he's done a little bit of everything. He comes to us from Bentonville, Arkansas, which uh, all you need to know about Bentonville, Arkansas is really two things. Number one, it's the headquarters of Walmart. That is true. And number two, it probably has the best cup of coffee on God's green earth at a place called Onyx Coffee Lab. It is incredible. Yes, it's true. The best cup of coffee exists in Arkansas, not here in New York City. Sorry, folks. Um, so uh, most importantly, Daniel is married to Jesse, and they have one daughter together, Anna, who is, uh, as of yesterday, 10 years old. So she celebrated the birthday while she's out here with us. Uh, that's all I'm going to say about that. Daniel, why don't you come up here, and everybody, why don't you greet Daniel? Did I turn this on? Yeah, yeah there we go. You know, when, uh, when you get asked to uh, speak, guest speak at churches... There's a couple of different ways that, that you respond to that, uh, depending on who's doing the asking. Sometimes you get asked, asked to speak at churches where it's fine because the guy that you're uh, speaking for is just not that great. And so, <laughs> so the bar is very low, and so you don't feel, you don't feel that much pressure. Um, then there's other times where you get asked to speak and you know who's there every week. And you think that it's 
very likely that they're that they're better than you are at this at this whole speaking thing. Such is the case with Eric. So uh, I say that to say this that. Uh, with fear and trepidation do I step into his shoes. And also that uh, I hope you guys know, as somebody who has spent a lot of time in a lot of churches, um, what a gift you have in the pastor that you have. There's a, you can do a lot worse. <laughs> uh, so uh, I hope, I, I, it's easy to take things for granted. It's easy to not, to not know what you have because you have it. And um, I hope that you guys are very appreciative of, of the love, care, and, uh, and preaching that Eric gives you guys this week. Okay, uh, the, the text uh, that I'm going to be speaking on is John uh, chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. That's the lectionary text. Uh, I know you guys are in a sermon, a series on Proverbs. I didn't want to come in here and do Proverbs. Uh, because I, 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 Eric's doing his thing on Proverbs. So, uh, so we're going with the lectionary text. John 15, verses 1 through 8. You can turn there or you can just listen and I'll read it. Jesus says this, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch that is in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does, not, that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, the Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. There's a, there's a church not that far from me, uh, where I live, that was doing a sermon series on the, on the concept of abiding. Um, and so, when a church makes the mistake of doing a sermon series on a word, and then turning that word into an acronym... Um, this is what happens. And what they did was they, they took the word abide and they turned it into an acronym. So they have uh, you know, a word for each letter. And so the, the word that the acronym they used was abide. Always be intentionally doing everything. <laughs> Which is not just a bad definition of abiding, but literally the opposite of abiding. I think, and I think what they were attempting to do was say that they were trying to say abiding is where you intention, like you have some intentionality about the things. You, I, that's the best construction because it doesn't really make any sense always being intentionally doing everything, all the things. But, but I, I think that they were pulling it also. This was their text. Was this uh, abide in me so that you bear much fruit? And there's a lot of there's a lot of anxiety in this text if you just pull one or two verses out from the rest of it. I mean, look at the way this starts. I am the vine. My father is a vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Well, if you just, if you just say that, what are you left with? You're left with, I better get busy bearing fruit. 
The last thing I want is to be taken away. I don't want to be cut off. I don't want to be, I don't want to be cast aside. So you, you just cite that verse in isolation and there's a lot of anxiety. And there is a lot of anxiety about bearing fruit. How do you, how do, you do it? It seems very important. There was a, there was a time uh, in my life where I was trying to do way, way too many things. Uh, I, was, I owned a business that was not very successful, but I was trying real hard. And I was planting a church, and I was being a father and a husband, and I was just working nonstop. I was trying to run an organization as well. And uh, I am not a person that gets sick often. And I wasn't sick, but I started not feeling very well. And it wasn't the kind of not feeling well where you think you might have caught the flu or you think that you might have eaten something that you shouldn't have. It was sort of this deep not feeling well, like exhaustion and like you're afraid that something is going wrong inside your body. Uh, and so I, I went to the doctor, which was rare for me, and they did a bunch of tests. They drew my blood and they put me through the machine and all the things. Everything came back and he's like, you're fine. Like, your, your blood, people would pay money to have your vitals. You're great. What's your week like? So we sat down and we went through, kind of, well, here's kind of what I do. And then he thought about that for a little while and he's like, here's the thing, man. You just, you just are going to kill yourself if you don't rest. You're, you have to get more rest. And then he took a piece of paper and he wrote, he said, this is my prescription. And he wrote this down. He says, my prescription for you is you need to do nothing more often. And it'll save your life. Do nothing more often. That's the remedy. So when it comes to the stress of, bear, of fruit bearing, if you isolate that verse, it sounds like this is on us, but it's not. Look at what Jesus goes on to say. He talks about, if you do bear a little bit of fruit, that it's the Father, the vine dresser, who prunes you that you bear more fruit. So this means also that even the idea of bearing more fruit is not left to you. You don't prune yourself. You don't figure out what things about yourself to snip off, to trim up, to bear more fruit. You certainly don't figure out how to prune other people so that they'll bear more fruit. That's a different sermon. But... But you, you, the, the, the onus on the fruit bearing is apparently not something you can do. You, you can't do it. I, I used, my, when I was growing up, we had a bunch of apple trees. And my, uh, my dad would, by force, make me go out there and learn how to prune them. And, uh, and so we pruned them and so that they would bear more fruit. And there's two things about this that are true. One, those trees didn't prune themselves. Uh, and two, everything that got pruned off, the stuff that got snipped off, that got disconnected from the vine, sure enough, did die. It didn't, they didn't bear any fruit either. They had to be connected. That will come to bear in a moment. I think that this passage turns on this. I, I'm going to do a little bit of speculation, so this is me just talking now. I think that Jesus says these words. He says, whoever doesn't bear fruit is cut off and discarded. And I think everyone has this look of terror on their face. And then he says this. 
Hold on. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. So Jesus is talking to a bunch of sinners because that's all there are. And he says, you got to bear fruit. And everyone says, oh man. I mean, I know if Jesus said to me, this man that I believe to be sent from God, or maybe is God himself, depending on who he's talking to, said, unless you bear fruit, you will be cut off. Immediately, my mind is going to go to my fruit. What shape is it? What size is it? What color is it? What is it like? Is it enough? Is it the right kind? And then Jesus comes in with that statement, you are already clean, lest, lest you think that in this fruit bearing, that the, the fruit equals cleanliness. Or that you must be clean to bear fruit. He says, already you are clean because of what? Because of yourself? Because of your fruit? No, because of my word, which I have declared. And that word is, you are clean. That word is, you are pardoned. You are forgiven. You are justified. You have been made righteous. You are clean. Because of that word. His word that creates what it says, the same word that says, let there be light, and there, when there's no light, and then there is light, or let there be fish or platypus. He says, let that person be clean, and you are not clean until the moment that he says you are clean, and then you are most certainly clean. He has said it to be so. He moves on from that to then say, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. And then he moves on and says, Whoever abides in me will bear fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, apart from me, you can do nothing is a super low pressure statement if you get over the initial offense of being pathetic. <laughs> apart from me, you can do nothing. So if you get past the initial offense of this statement, it's incredibly freeing. Because what it says is that I don't care how bad you want to bear some really sanctified fruit, apart from Christ, this is not going to happen. It's not going to. Will not. The fruit of the Spirit is called the fruit of the Spirit because it's His fruit. It's not yours, it's not mine, it's His. It's His fruit. Uh, if you're not connected with Christ, you will not have this fruit. It's His fruit. belongs to Him. Jesus calls Himself the vine. That is the thing you must be connected to in order to have life and in order to bear fruit. And He alone is the source then of any good fruit in anyone. Now, obviously you might say, like, well, apart from Him, I can do a lot of things. And you can do a lot of things. This is that all those things are bad. All those things are sin. You can do no good things. You can do no fruit bearing apart from Christ. And so he says, whoever abides in him also will bear much fruit. Not some, not, not potentially, not maybe, not it might happen, but that they will. But what's great about that is that is a promise. You will. It's an absolute certainty. Abide in him, and you will bear much fruit. So the question is not, when it comes to fruit bearing, the question that causes us anxiety about my fruit, 
The question is not, am I bearing fruit? The question is this, am I trying to do something, anything, apart from Christ? See, the question is, am I trying to bear fruit apart from Christ? Because the truth is, lack of effort is not the sworn enemy of fruit-bearing. Self-sufficiency is. Self-sufficiency is the enemy of fruit-bearing. Because self-sufficiency pulls you away from the source of all your fruit-bearing. Self-sufficiency will distance you from Christ. Self-sufficiency removes you from Christ's presence. That's when you start straying. There's, a, there's an illustration of this, I think, that's perfect in the Gospel of Luke, in Luke 10. There's two sisters, Mary and Martha. I'm just going to read just four verses here. Now, as they were on their way, this is Jesus and his disciples. Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house, and she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to all his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. You should, if, you under, if you're an underliner, you should underline that, like, distracted with much serving. That's not a popular underlining verse, but you should, you know, make it start a trend. And she went to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Now, that is what rest and abiding really looks like. Sitting and listening at the feet of Jesus. Abiding is staying put, right there. He says that one thing is necessary. Think about this. If Jesus said, one thing is necessary, like everyone would stop whatever they were doing. They'd say, like, okay, well, this is it. It's the one thing. The one thing. That is not a very demanding one thing. One thing is necessary. You stay right here. You just stay right here next to me. You just stay close to me. It's the one necessary thing that you be connected to me. But why is that hard? That's hard to do. We're antsy, right? Even the even the smallest amount of self sufficiency, like refused that kind of like humble, humble abiding. And there will always be those other people that will like, like, like her sister will that will accuse or, and confuse your, your abiding in Christ with being lazy or idle. You just don't want to do anything. There is a death to that sinful self-sufficiency in you that is wrought by you just staying put and doing nothing for a little bit, sitting at the feet of Jesus. Depending on him for everything. That's a death to that old sinner in you. What Luther calls the old Adam. 
to death to him because he is always looking for an excuse to like to get up and leave leave Jesus for, over here for a little while and go wash the spiritual dishes, clean the stuff up. But the same Jesus who says, abide in me, says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And these statements are, are telling you that come, that, you, that where Christ is, you find rest. It's coming as you are and hearing his word of pardon and staying there and not leaving that for some pursuit of sexier fruit somewhere else. If you stay put, if you stay there close to Jesus, he will, he might just do something. In fact, he promises he will. He'll have a piece of fruit or two like pop right out of you. Have you ever seen like those, uh, those, weird, those weird posters that they have in youth group rooms of the fruit of the spirit? Where... They have like the lemon of long suffering and like the, the banana of gentleness and the, this kind of thing. It's like a tree with like like all these different fruits on it. It's very strange. They might have that here. I apologize if they do, but um, that's not how this works. The fruit the fruit of the spirit is like uh, fruit it's the fruit. It's a thing it's singular. It's not the fruits of the spirit. That's a pet peeve when people do that. They're like, fruits of the spirit. I'm like, ah, fruit. Because it's Jesus. Surprise. It's his fruit. Belongs to one guy. Besides, it doesn't even make any sense that you could be progressing in one and not the other. Or they're producing one. Like, what are you, you going to be? You're going to say, man, the love is just, I'm just all the love. I'm just really, the fruit, the fruit of love is just good. But man, I, like, patience, no. I am the most loving, impatient person you've ever met. I'm long-suffering, but I am not gentle. No, this is, this is all one thing that, that, that Christ is bringing out of you by, by being connected to Him. It's all promise. This text is all promise. He's, he's not telling you to get after it to bear some fruit. He's saying, stick with me. I will get it done. Stay close. In John, in John 6, in John 6, Jesus says, Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. And I will. If you look in the, I don't want to be this guy, but if you look in the Greek, this is like my favorite thing in the, in the Greek. I only, I only do it on this passage, I promise. Uh, it's so emphatic. Like, the, like, the only thing I say is the English doesn't, like, doesn't do it right. It's so emphatic. It's essentially like this. It's like, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood, I will abide with him and him with me. And I will, yes, I will, I, not another, will raise you up on the last day. It's a promise. And so here's, here's what you have Jesus saying in this text. It's not always intentionally be doing everything. Always be doing as much as you can, as intentionally as you can. And I will be here to inspect the fruit, and if you have enough of it, I won't reject you. That's not what he's saying. What he is saying is this, is that stay close to me, 
Stay close to my words, my promises, and I will produce things in you. I will bear fruit in you. And that's the reason that you're here tonight. Whether you, maybe you don't know it. But while it's true that, you know, God is everywhere, He's not everywhere in the same way. St. Ambrose says that, that it's like the, the water, it's like water. There's water everywhere, it's in the atmosphere, it's out there right now. But if you want to drink, you go to a well. You, just go, you don't go to drink the air. That's what this is like. You come here on Sunday evening to abide with Christ, to hear His Word, to have His Word close to you, to have His promises given to you again, to hear that message that sinner though you be, that He has done all that is needed to be done to save you. He has forgiven you. He has restored your relationship with God. He has declared you righteous. That that word has made you clean, as he says. You are already clean because of the word he has spoken. And you come here on Sunday night to hear that word again. To be close to his word and to be close to his body and blood. To be close to, be close to Christ. Because what ends up happening is throughout the week we, we do wander a little bit. We just stray a little bit. We don't feel close. We don't feel like we're sitting at the feet of Jesus. Maybe we feel like we did a little spiritual dishes washing or got distracted with maybe even good things. But you get called back here to be close again to the promises of God, to the body and blood of Christ. You're abiding right now. You are abiding with Christ. And He is abiding with you. And He promises that through this, that He will bear much fruit in you. So the prescription is... Do a little bit more of nothing. Because in Christ, everything has already been done. And then we are able to, with the psalmist, say, Return, O my soul, to your rest. For the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. Amen.